Look at that. Look at that trough now, bro. You got you got the direct light down, so just like start flexing. He got all the anabolic anabolic lighting, didn't he? I remember going over there one time though. I was testing your microphone. And I looked in the camera. I was like, "Damn, like, Man, like, it's it's good lighting, like, cause it's right down on top of you." It's perfect. But even though it's just a shitty like fan <laughs> light, it works. It is what it is. It is what it is. You got it rolling. Yeah, everything's rolling still. So. Hell yeah. Well, show before the show shit. Show before the show shit. We were drinking Hennessy and Hypnotic for the first time and. <laughs> Me for the first yeah, time ever. Oh, it was your first time? Yeah, oh, first time man. ever. What an intro. <laughs> That's a hell of a fucking intro, bro. That's I think I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would. I mean, it's not that bad, but also you did put the simple syrup in it. The simple so. syrup helps. Yeah. Pro tip from a guy that makes a drink. <laughs> put some fucking simple syrup in your Incredible Hulk. Just put it in everything. I think Sugar makes they got to do it at bars, dude, because that first drink we had. Was it that bad? Yeah, the recipe calls were just half and half, but... Oh, you looked at the recipe? Oh, hell yeah. A recipe, quote-unquote. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to do it right. Like, we make good drinks around here most of the time. I hear that. This is uh, this was just because me and you talked about it, and I thought it'd be funny as fuck. <laughs> I walk in, and I see Hennessy on the thing. I'm like, okay, cool. The hit night, for some reason, didn't stick out to me. <laughs> Damn, the blue drink didn't stick out to me. But, yeah, that's what we're doing, though. It's a hell of a surprise. It's good stuff, though. It's a big surprise. Tell you what, scoot that mic a little closer to you. He's a little softer. Yeah. Well, so a little shorter. Is that? <laughs> a little bit. Just hey, your hey, your hey, voice hey, travels. Hey. And it's also at a higher frequency yeah, than yours agree. is. Yeah. So yours will catch better closer, and yours will catch better further away. So That's, that makes sense. I think it works. Even with my uh, voice going out. Yeah. So anyway, if you want to know how to make an incredible Hulk, it's fucking half not <laughs> <laughs> And. Uh, I did put some orange bitters and some uh, simple syrup in these to make it taste less like. You know what? <laughs> like shit, to be honest with you. <laughs> but like I said, I enjoy it more now like this than I had before because I'm too deep and y'all are just one deep. So yeah. Um, well, not even. I'm, I'm sipping on it. Though, and I was desperate for a drink. <laughs> That's You've been waiting on this thing, huh? I've been waiting on that. Yeah. yeah I've definitely been waiting on it. I had a shitty Friday. What happened but... on your Friday? Oh, you know, the whole situation with my insurance and my, not my, not <laughs> so my insurance sucks, mm -hmm. right? Just in general. And I went to get my blood work done, uh, for HRT. My doctor's like, holy shit, your testosterone's 91. You need testosterone. 91. 91. Oh He's like, you need testosterone now. And I'm like, yes, you're right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Waiting on a PA call them. They're like, oh, it didn't get submitted. Let me submit it. I'm like, cool. They submit it. I get a phone call the next day. It's been denied uh, because blah, 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 blah. You'll get any, a, a letter in the mail. And I'm like, cool. So I call them and I'm like, I need to know what's going on because this doesn't make any sense. Why am I getting denied when I'm not got a 91? Right. right. So I finally get someone on the phone after like 30 fucking minutes. And they're like, oh, well, you have to have two accounts of blood work. I'm like, why? I'm like, I don't know. It's just the rules. I'm like, that's fucking stupid. But it's, it's some it's like this blood work wrong. Like, did somebody forge it? I'm pretty sure it's third party tested. Like, it's not not something that they can forge. Whatever. So now I have to go up there next Saturday to get my blood work done again. And then hopefully they'll approve it. How, just, ba how bad do you feel being as low as you are? Well, so I was taking all the other stuff. Like be before I went up there, I felt like dog shit. Like 90% of the time. I was also tired and I was like sleeping for 12 hours. I'd wake up. I'd wake up at the nine hour mark, eat breakfast, go back to sleep. 
on the couch just because I couldn't stay awake. Right. The gym sucked. Felt like shit in the gym. I, I feel okay right now because I, I was taking all the other HRT stuff that he prescribed me because those weren't on a PA. Mm-hmm. So now I have to come off of all of it to get my blood back to normal, <laughs> which is shitty, mm-hmm. and then go up there, get it tested again, come back. So it's just like, yeah. That's terrible. Fucking sucks. I can't imagine what 91 feels like. Uh, it was 141 and it was pretty fucking bad. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, rough. It was real fucking bad. It like, is rough. So was it anything below like 300 is considered low? Technically right? now it's like 270 or something because they keep bumping the numbers down. When I first did my blood work in 2022, it was 300 to 1100. And now it's like 270 or 280 to 8 something. They just keep pulling down the markers and it's really like shitty. Mm-hmm. Like, because you think about it like, Primitive times, like what was our testosterone in primitive times? It was probably fucking through the roof because we were out there killing fucking everything and eating it, right? <laughs> like, there's no way you couldn't have a <clears throat> fuck ton of testosterone going out there and killing shit. And I just, from my personal experience, it's diet. You know, it's yeah. one thing I've never been able to shake. I've never been able to stay on a good diet. Yeah, and that's shitty as a personal trainer and everything else. But like, I mean, that shit takes it faster than anything does. Yeah. And then coming from You've probably experienced this too. You've never been medicated for it, but having mental health issues, every SSRI doctor wants to put you on affects progesterone and testosterone. Mm-hmm. Well, as a man, you have to have progesterone to make testosterone. So if that's low, your testosterone is low, and everything just fucking cycles and yep. just becomes dog shit. So, I mean, and then for me personally, everybody, everybody listening knows what I've done, like messing around with PEDs I didn't have any business messing around with. Mm-hmm. Big fucking contributor to that. Yep. Shit too. Yeah. Yeah, That's probably why mine was so low, too, honestly. But the coach I had before Ron was Brandon Allen. And me and you've talked about this. Ron hasn't heard the story. I was about to say, this This is news to me. <laughs> Brandon told me. This is, at the time, the one of probably three. This is before Dan Bell got real big. One of three of the best super heavyweight powerlifters yeah. on the planet. Mm-hmm. Brandon he was Allen up was there. a bad motherfucker. He was up there. Brandon told me, he was like, you're a big dude. Like... That's going to contribute. I know you eat like shit, and you ain't got to tell me. He's like, <laughs> you need to just be on testosterone, and if you want to, you can run an oral like six weeks out. And I didn't fucking listen to him. I fucking pinned a bunch of fucking trend for God knows how long and everything else. And one of the things he told me, he's like, that weight gain and that strength gain is very, very unreliable. It's going to tank. Yep. As soon as you come off, as soon as meat prep's over with, it's, it's going in the fucking gutter. He's like, don't mess with hard stuff. And he told me that time and time again, and I didn't fucking listen. Yeah. And... And that's what it was. And I, you know, just like I tell everybody now, now that I'm just on HRT, I'm stronger now than I've ever been because I don't have any ups and downs, and valleys, yep. or anything like that. I'm the same all the time. So, man, there's a lesson in that, like doing things the right way. Like, probably don't need to fuck around with that stuff until it's time to fuck around with that yeah. stuff. That's Treating, like getting good quality lesson from the most jacked and juicy motherfucker on the planet at the time. <laughs> like, because uh, we were teammates at one point when I was with Iron Rebel. And, um, yeah. Having competed with Brandon, Brandon's cool. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, you want to talk about? He was very open about all the shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very, sure. very open about it. <laughs> One of the nicest guys you'll meet. But like I said, as somebody, I know he's he's really drastically changed his life and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He's a lot lighter. He's not competing anymore. I think he's arm wrestling. Now. Yeah, arm wrestling and strict curl. Okay, yeah. okay, but um, yeah, it's just it's just funny knowing his personality and and hearing him tell you all of these things like, hey, stay away from something. <laughs> well, he uh, lesson learned. He, he was pretty wild. Lesson learned. I'll tell you what else I did too, and it, it really fucked me and your prep up really bad. Brandon, I was 
I don't know. I don't know if it's maybe, I don't know if you've experienced this, Ron, or not, but sometimes, and I should, you know, this is one of the best power lectures on the planet. I'm still not listen, listening to them. <laughs> I was in the middle of this prep with him, and it was my, it was my, really my first prep ever. And uh, everything was going really, really well. And like two weeks out from the meet, he had me squatting something like, it was like 100 pounds less than what my opener was going to be. Yeah. And I got into the bar and smoked it. And I was like, I just can't. You went up, didn't you? I just can't. I, was, <laughs> I just can't. I, I, it's like, I got I to gotta, I gotta get under, I got to get under, you know, 450 or whatever it may have been. I'm not a good squatter. I'm not ashamed to say it. I got to get under that because it's going to be good for my brain. Well, I got under it, squatted it fine, but at the bottom, something popped. I came back up, squatted it fine, no pain. But then for the next two weeks, there's just like this residual, something's not right, and that right helped. Mm -hmm. And uh, got on meet day, second squat, just like our prep, fucking blew that right hip up and tore my adductor and my right lowest abdominal. That was your first meet. Yep. And uh, fucked everything up, all because I got out of pocket. One time. One time. <laughs> I got out of pocket one time. So, so to up. the young lifters that are listening to this right <laughs> yeah. now, take it from an experienced coach who's also telling this to an experienced coach. The plan is the plan for a reason. It yeah. will be there on meet day. You do not have to test your maxes prior to the meet to know that you're going to hit it at the meet. You don't. Yeah, I was much, much better with you. A lot more disciplined. That was just bad fucking luck on my, on my, on my yeah. part. It is what it is. That's very much my experience working with Joe, too. Um Cause I got, I did the same thing that you did, except on deadlift, except I didn't hurt myself, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately. but I was like, fuck man, everything feels like shit. And I need something for my brain because mm -hmm. like, I need to lift something heavy for my brain to work. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was, this was two or three weeks out, I think. And I, I just didn't pull it off the floor. So I was like, I wasn't going to get hurt anyway, right. but it was like, it was like six thirty five or something. I just couldn't, couldn't break it off the floor. And I was dog cussing. I was the only one in the gym. So I wasn't afraid to just like scream and like. <laughs> I was I was pretty juicy at the time, so I was like, "Your heaviest deadlift in prep to be like six hundred, and then we go pull six sixty one, yeah, big yeah. time, yeah." It was that's doing it right, yeah. Joe knows what he's doing, like that's that's the long and short of it. I mean, there's a reason. Joe Sullivan, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I worked with him prepping for the meet in October, November, I don't November, know. yeah, November. We're on the table that though, because I got questions for Ron about that, because Ron actually trains pretty similar to Joe, so yeah. You know, talk about athletic stuff and your warm up and everything like that. Cool. So, um, we should just go ahead yeah, and get into. Just it. go ahead and get started. Yeah. Welcome to Sip and Rip It. I'm uh, I'm Zach. He's Nathan. This is Ron Tarvin, uh, best coach in Alabama for sure, probably in the southeast. Um, Say hi, Ron. I don't mind saying that. <laughs> <laughs> How's everybody doing? <laughs> um, you can find us uh, at Coleman underscore Barbell at Nathan Skedios and you're. At Sir, Sir Jim Rat Fitness still. Yeah, Sir underscore Jim Rat Fitness, yep. Cool. And you can find the podcast at Sip and Rip Yeah, I forgot about us. It's five stars on uh, Spotify. Spotify. Subscribe on YouTube. Yep. Apple uh, Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. All that good stuff. And uh, give it a listen. This is a big deal. Um, this is the man right here. So I'm pretty happy to have him <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's get into all of our normal stuff before we get into this, yeah. if you want to. Um, what do we do first? I forget. Uh, the, what did we do in the gym this week? Yeah. What oh, we you did do you did do drinks already, didn't you? Yeah. yeah we show before the show. Yeah. My week was deload week, so I didn't do shit. Literally, I just like went in, did the easiest shit I possibly could, and went home. Mm -hmm. Like it was forty-five minute workouts when I'm used to like an hour and a half, and uh, everything was cut in half. 
just went and did it. Felt like I probably could have done more, actually. I probably didn't even need a deload this mm -hmm. week, but it was planned. And I was like, I'm just going to stick to the plan. We were just talking about sticking to the plan. Right. So that was like, yeah, we'll Rather just deload too soon than too late. Yeah. Honestly. A hundred percent. That's, that's why I like a little more structure to it. Um, just making sure it's every fourth week and just like no, no ifs, ands or buts. If I feel great, then awesome. I'm going to go into the next week feeling even better. Mm -hmm. And if I feel like shit, then I know I needed it. What's it like to have discipline? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It is what it is, I guess. It leaves us I'm, all at some point. I also found out not only am I the least disciplined of this year, I'm also the oldest. So that makes me fucking stupid. <laughs> hey, you're only the oldest by three months. So it's well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not that bad. But uh, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, my week was shit. Um, hmm. Christmas Day, me and you were swapping front squats for box squats because you figure it felt feel like that may be a remedy for control and depth, maybe yeah. a remedy for the hip right now. Um, those were fine. Nothing really to speak of. The belt squats have been the best addition to programming I've ever. I think I have a, a general leg weakness, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you caught that one. I mean, obviously, I'm a bad squatter, so that's a good indicator. It's just not your bread and butter, but you're not a, not a bad squatter. But um, I don't know if that's something you noticed. But that's something me and him's picked up on. Um, the belt squat's been a good addition because yeah. I've been able to pile. I've added a plate every week. Well, sorted those for the most part. That that might also be just adaptation, right? Sure, because yeah. there's strength. The strength in your legs is there, and then you're just like getting adapted to the machine. Absolutely, because it's yeah, a little it's a little different. Which bell squat is it? I don't know. Do you, Pit, Sh Pit Shark, or is it the the Rogue one? Or no, is, it is. Bells I don't remember what. It's a Bells of Steel. Yeah, okay. that's it. Yeah, okay. it's a good exactly belt one. squat. Um, and I can squat like ass to ankles in it, like mm -hmm. no pain, like five six plates. Pretty fucking cool. <laughs> it's good because that's I don't fuck I don't leg press that much, but you know me and you were pretty we're pretty disciplined about our leg press though, like yeah, platform touching the tank basically you know, yeah. every time we do it. So you know, Joe wouldn't let me do it any other way. He was just right. like like close stance. <clears throat> You pull might. it all the way to your like knees to chest. Yeah, no like, one cares what you like, press. Right. So, no, it's, nobody it's, gives it's a shit. It serves a purpose, and it's not for. Do y'all ever get the eye roll when you're in the jig uh, in the gym uh, leg press, and you got like three plates on it, and some bros in there, and they're just like. Phew. I never get. Yeah, right. I've never gotten you know, an eye roll. The, <laughs> the only reason is because everybody there knows what I can squat. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, otherwise, you didn't get no shit. I never get an eye roll, but I do get people coming in behind me and throwing like six plates on there, and then like. Half repping it, maybe yeah. at best, and then they leave it on there. Yeah, <laughs> that's, our, that's, our, that's our experience at Hartsville Fitness. Yeah, now. like every time you do something cool, somebody's going to come behind you and like at least attempt it. Mm -hmm. Except there's there's a couple cool cool guys up there. Oh yeah, there absolutely like, is. That's, that's a good strength community. Like the guys involved in powerlifting are fucking good. Yeah. How far is that from here? Um, fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes up the road. Okay, north. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, it's exit three. A lot of those guys compete at the Golden Knight. Have y'all have you done that meet yet? I've been there. I was there two years back to back. This was like 2017. The first two years, 2017, 2018, when it was still at the CrossFit gym. This was before it was the Big Ape and yeah. the two platform meet that it is now. That's a huge fucking meet. It's giant, man. That'd be fun to go to. I was just, giant. As a as a coach, that one was a little, a little tense, a little stressful. Yeah. Not because of uh, not because of athletes, but just managing workload. Right. Yeah, I know he knows what it's like 100% yeah. because I've never seen somebody manage a bigger workload than Ron does. It's insane. But, um, but I, I wouldn't change it. But my gym week, uh, like I said, box squats, and then the next day we got the AMRAP on close grip. 315 for 7 yeah. wasn't great, but we found out that that was the beginning of my 
the food poisoning. Yeah. So I thought that was my, Ron had to deal with this my whole prep. I thought it was my elbow tendonitis flare up yeah. because I unrack it and like instantly just pain from yeah my my wrist to my shoulders basically. I'm like, fuck, this sucks. And he didn't rack it. He didn't say this hurts. I need to stop. He said, "I'm he just gonna like, fucking no, do about, it." We're about to fuck it up. Somebody had to yank it off of you, myself. No, nobody had to yank it off of me. I got my. Uh, I did fall short of a well short of a PR, but it was an okay for just a random AMRAP day. And then he had me stripped down to one more plate to 225 and hit that. And after that, I was like, "Fuck! I don't think I can do any accessory work." I was mm-hmm. like, "Shit! Like my elbows fucking hurt." Turned out it was body aches from a fucking fever. Yeah. <laughs> so that did it that, yeah. that, that took me out so uh i haven't been to the gym since so that's my gym experience so maybe ron's got a more interesting story than we do. <laughs> uh, honestly last week i had the plague that's going around that's hitting a lot of people so this was go figure my first week of prep so the plague <laughs> kind of fell during a week that was supposed to be a planned deload anyway so timing wise if it was going to happen on a week that was probably the best possible week that it could have happened on this week was basically like it was an intro week, kind of a second D-low week, RP fives kind of yeah. across the board, just kind of kind of getting a feel for the bar again. So nothing super interesting. Everything feels good now. I feel back to my normal self. Squats still feel a little heavy on my back, but that's just because, I mean, I took that entire week off, and then the week prior to that, I beat myself into the dirt. Week five, end of a block, condensed training week, leading up to a meet that I was co-hosting and coaching 10 people. (laughs) So I was a ticking time bomb to get sick along with, you know, my partners, um, Rich and Avery. We just high stress week. The plague was going around leading into the meet and all that good stuff. It was, it was kind of meant to happen that we all kind of got it when we did. Yeah. It just, it just kind of hit me that much harder because my, I was already peak fatigued going into the meet and when all that stuff kind of circulated. So bad timing, but one of, been worse. one of my lack of discipline things is hydration. And I tell you, I've had the hardest time getting rehydrated this week. Yeah. Like I took it really, really seriously. Cause that's something me and me and you were working on as he's drinking um, incredible Hulk y'all. <laughs> but you know, I probably had, I probably had close to four gallons of fluids yesterday to the point that like I made myself sick again from yeah. drinking so much water. And, uh, did you I'm, supplement I'm, electrolytes? Oh yeah. Totally, okay. Yeah. Probably had five or six liquid IVs, a bottle of Kinder Light. Like, I had a lot of fluid yeah. yesterday. So you had Pedialyte yeah, coming in. in. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all have an IV clinic around here? This would no. that'd be something. We do, yeah, actually. We do, I really need to start using it. Yeah, yeah I need to go get a bag. I think we have two, don't yeah, we? Yeah, my um, chiropractic office is supposed to start doing it. I don't yeah. know if Nathan started doing that or not, but um, I really need to start going to him because I don't know if you know, but he's supposed to start doing, he's supposed to start doing blood panel work and stuff, too. Really? Which That's is interesting, um, but... I know he has to have an RN on staff to do those things. Yeah. And I think they've had a hard time. Uh, in the past, they had, had a hard time hiring a nurse. Yeah. I wonder if Desi would do it. That's her favorite thing is to stick people with a needle. But I would go talk, <laughs> talk to him because that, that company is up and coming. And if she could. Nathan's a powerhouse to work with. That guy's going somewhere. Yeah. Like, he already makes a pile of money, but he's he's got a fucking empire. I feel like if, <clears> if <throat> he would match her pay, she would probably do it. She needs to go fucking talk to yeah. her. Yeah, absolutely. I'll mention it to her. Yeah, that's a uh, that's complete fucking tangent. Left. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's fucking truth. But PR songs, I don't, yeah. I don't fucking have one. I, I should have several. Ron yesterday, I was like, make sure you got this shit. <laughs> and I ain't got I ain't got nothing. You have one off the top of your head. So for about two years, my I guess you could say my squat PR song was uh, "Your Betrayal" from "Bullet from My Valentine." Yep. The just the lead up to it, 
anytime that song comes on, people kind of knew in the gym, like, oh, Ron's probably about to do something. <laughs> but yeah, for about two years, that was kind of my that was kind of my go-to for for squats and um in particular. Um right now, I don't know if y'all are anime guys, but there's kind of a there's a mix for the Dragon Ball Z. Y'all yeah. Dragon Ball Z guys. So not him. Okay. He doesn't like any anime, so Okay. So there is a there's a theme that's some it's fan made for Broly as if he was a, a Super I, Saiyan god. Anyway, I feel like I've heard that. Th- that is that's been my go to like squat song for like the last two years. And yeah. there's a there's an iteration of a Super Saiyan god for, for Vegeta that I mm-hmm. use specifically for deadlifts. I don't really have one for bench. It's just kind of bench is bench. Right. Um, I take that back. No, Push It by Kevin Gates is probably my, my bench I love song. Kevin Gates. Yeah, that's probably my most played top set bench song. I'll say that. Hell yeah. You got one or you want me to go? Yeah, I'm going old school on it again. Um, I'm going back to Wu-Tang Clan stuff, and it's uh, Jizz's um, Shadow Boxing with Method Man's first verse in there. It's- the best rap verse. Of Man, all you time. are the I'm old sorry. guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I know what you're talking about. I can't believe you went for my Valentine. I went one It, it varies so, so much. It's so much. So a lot of times, I'll just keep my headphones in because I don't want anybody judging me for listening to anime fight <laughs> on workup sets. So it just it just depends on. The I day. think that you listen to one of those. Uh, I'll never forget it because Tammy is such a fucking badass. <laughs> And she, I feel like she just, she she makes me feel so good about myself and so bad about myself. <laughs> <laughs> she does that to a lot. Don't feel bad. But it's, uh, it was me, it was me on the end, you in the middle, and Tammy squatting all in the same day. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And you had that 622 for four. And I think it may have been high bar. No. I don't remember what it was. I, I, I can't do that high bar. Well, it, was Not some, yet. it was a pretty yeah. fucking cool squat. But anyway, it was like for like four or something. Yeah, it was a PR I think set. you had that. I think you had uh, one of the Dragon Ball Z songs on. For, yeah. For yeah. That. Hell's Bells. It was, yeah, one of Vegeta's. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I, I kind of remember that a little bit. That's a fucking electric atmosphere, by the way. Yeah. I talked to Danny about that afterwards. I was like, there's something fucking different about this little fucking tiny. That blue, like, that, that blue room, that, man. There's something different. fucking special about it. So. When when you said anime though, I really thought you were gonna say the rumbling. Why is that? That's everybody's song right now. Just everybody's huge on Attack on Titan, and I've never seen Attack on Titan. Me so either. I've never. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of the the newer anime stuff. So okay. Me being thirty four, I grew up on Dragon Ball Z, Gundam Wing, um, Yu Gi Oh, Pokemon, Naruto, um, the the. Like I said, the stuff that makes me feel the nineties, two thousands, yeah, man. So I haven't given a lot of the newer stuff a chance, primarily just because I'm a, I'm a really busy person, and when That's I do fair. have downtime, I'm probably sleeping, <laughs> right? But yeah. um, I've said that I'm going to give Attack on Titan and stuff like I think it's Jujitsu Kaisen. I yeah. hear a lot of youngsters talking about that. Um, maybe I'll give it give them a chance, but we'll see. I just we'll see. saw like a, a video of Jujitsu Kaisen, and it was like showing a bunch of stuff where they like paid homage to a bunch of stuff before it. Mm-hmm. There was, I can't remember what there was like some sort of martial arts movie, but there was, um, Gurren Lagann. I don't know if you watch that one. And, uh, there was one more that I saw that was specific. I think it, I think it was a Gundam show. I don't know if it was Gundam wing, mm-hmm. but I feel like it was Gundam cause there was a mech in it that was fighting. But anyway, um, I'll go with my song and quit quit the tangent. Um, This one's a little weird for me. Well, not weird for me, but it's a little lighter than usual. But Passenger by Chaos Bay. 
I didn't listen to Chaos May before. You haven't? Mm. They're um they're like 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 hard rock, I'd say. Like they're not they're not they're not very heavy. Uh, this is this is surprising for yeah. <laughs> like like it's you know are they new or recent? Ish. Um I think this song specifically came out in twenty twenty two. Okay. I think. So they're they're fairly new. They had a guest on it from a band that I like called Oni. Um which Oni is basically like take all that remains and like they're less heavy stuff, and that's Oni. Oh, okay. So, another, like, weird one for me, because normally I'm, like, super heavy shit. Yeah. But, like, I was listening to it in the gym, and I was like, man, this song's fucking good. I feel like yeah. I get judged sometimes for not always putting super heavy shit on my Right? <laughs> if, y'all had, if y'all had one song that you would say makes you borderline embarrassed to say, I genuinely love to train to this. Like, it's in your headphones, but you wouldn't play in the gym. What is it? Uh, Any genre. Because I have endlessly shit on this band. As a former musician, and actually, I'm still a musician, but a former professional musician, I've always made fun of this band, but it's a Linkin Park song called uh, Lost in Echo. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that stays on the playlist. Every playlist I ever make, don't even like them, and that song just... You don't like Linkin Park in general? No. Oh, man. No, I grew not. up listening to listen, it, so I still listen to Linkin listen, Park. Listen, I'm... Uh, that was my introduction to, I guess... Like the... Alternative stuff. or rock from being somebody that really just listened to R and B and hip hop growing up. Lincoln Park was like my intro into broader horizons. Honestly, yeah. I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure you know this about me, but all my formal education is in music. I don't know how I ended up in athletics whatsoever. I still don't know how that happened. I love for it, I guess. I don't know, but uh, it's made me incredibly difficult when it comes to music. Like I'm such a fucking snot. And I know <laughs> I know I'm difficult to people like so most everything of mine is either like really weird and heavy stuff like me and you listen to or it's R&B and hip hop but I'm a bass player so everything yeah. like old funk like James Brown all the R&B and all the old hip hop stuff like they got sampled from all the old funk stuff that's like near and dear to my heart as a bass player so like I very much just like stay in my lane what I like is what I like and I just like I said, I, I'm too opinionated for everything else, I'm afraid. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Is. I think powerlifters are probably the most diverse musical group of people that oh, I've been yeah. around, honestly. I don't, I don't really feel like anybody has anything that they can be harshly. I mean, if you're strong and you're lifting to Mariah Carey or Shania Twain, <laughs> who's going to call you, you know, who's going who's gonna to think you're weird if you're, you know, you're squatting 600 pounds listening to Shania Twain? Fucking it's, nobody. No, it's, 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 it's 600 pounds on the bar. That's <laughs> what, so, so, what, like what you like. Shit, my, my strongest... I can't really claim Nathan anymore since he's been with Joe. But my strongest other than Nathan is, is Austin. This is somebody that's squats 700 pounds, and his PR song is Jolene by Dolly fucking Parton. <laughs> I, I worked at Cracker Barrel for five years. If I never heard another song for the rest of my life, it's that one. I, that one, started. I, I feel about the same way, but for very different reasons. Yeah. That motherfucker swear, and he has all this like big, eclectic musical taste. Has the coolest taste in music, and then his fucking PR songs, Jolene. <laughs> it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I hate country music, but I have to admit, I mean, I'll listen to Fancy by Reba McIntyre from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> you should have took that one to your grave, my man. I, uh, I, mean, I say I'm plenty of embarrassing shit on this podcast. Nah, I'm just messing with you, man. I'm scrolling through my Spotify right now trying to find something embarrassing. It's really probably just Linkin Park, to be honest with you, because I have like the first two albums on there. I am not too cool. (laughs) I'm like, I'm the opposite of too cool. Well, I tell you what, I don't really listen to it on like in the gym, but no, I take that back. I have. Uh, 
uh, come and get your love is on here. So like, I have listened to that in the gym, 100%. I have. Doing what lift though? I have no idea. I think I was doing accessory work. Okay. That is, uh, right. I'm trying it wasn't to like, it wasn't like doing something heavy. It was I just kind of like, just. What's the name of that band? It escapes me right now. There's all Native American soul band from like the 70s. I'm trying to think, what was the name of that band? Help me out. Oh, I don't know. I think it was I a cover. Was a rock band. Um, Red something? Redbone. Redbone, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, the name, that's the name of that band, yeah. From the 70s. That's a cool fucking band. <clears throat> they did the uh, the comedian fucking, I like a lot. He was in Star Wars. He was a bunch of shit. Oh, uh, Bill, uh, Bill Burr, Murray, his, yeah. His TV show, that's their Bill fucking Burr. intro song. Yeah. F is for Family, did you ever watch that? <laughs> no. That's the intro song for that for that show, and it's just kind of fucking makes it. That's Sets fair. the whole mood for the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's a badass song, though. I love that song. Uh, PR songs are done. Plenty of tangents there. Uh, get into the show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah we're... So tell us about what you're doing, man. I know you're prepping uh, February 24th when we're doing our we're doing our little bogus mock meet that day for money, and you're <laughs> down in Mobile competing for real. Um, so what's that look like for you right now, man? Yeah, that um, <clears throat> that's just the the Alabama State Championship in the USAPL. Um, I'm already qualified for Raw Nationals total wise. But I also have a couple guys that I coach that are um, one's already qualified, and one's getting ready to qualify. He's got the total to do it. It's just in a different federation. So Max, he just did the. Did I mean, yeah. but mm-hmm. essentially we duplicate that or a little bit under that. Um, but on the USAPL platform, he's going to qualify for nationals as well. But so essentially, my goal is to get a total big enough to get me in a prime time, so it doesn't interfere with me coaching them, especially Zach being a weight class heavier than me, I don't want us to be competing at the same time. Sure. I would prefer to have two separate sessions. So, mm-hmm. sure. excuse me. If I don't get into prime time, I've already told them I'm not going to do the meet. I'm not going to take that experience away from my guys in any way from a mental standpoint, um, knowing that I'm not going to be able to give 100% of myself to them and to myself. So I would rather just give 100% of myself to them. If I can get into prime time, which I, I don't really think that's going to be a problem, um, I'll go ahead and go through with it and, and compete as long as everything's separate. But if for some reason I can't get in the prime time, I'll just go out as a coach and make sure they have the, the time of their lives, honestly. Is it total or dots that qualifies? It's weird, man. I, I, I think the I think the prime time slots are by total. Okay. Um the meet that I just did for the uh where I was shooting for the pro car was done by dots. Um so I've been, you know, manipulating body weight and stuff at, yeah. at that particular time. In this particular case, I can just go blow up a total. Um, I haven't PR'd my total in a couple of years, but that's also because I've been jockeying for positioning and um, playing a numbers game with dots. So in this particular meet, I get a chance to go in and just put up my best total, um, not necessarily worry about positioning, um, placing, and stuff like that. And I'm excited, man, because the, the showdown in 2021 was my best meet total-wise to date. The Olympia that I just did, I, I fell short by six pounds, but that's only because I opted to pull for the win mm-hmm. instead of pulling what I knew I could have pulled on the day. Um, so I'm excited, man. That that 1846 total has been on that leaderboard at my gym for too damn long. And I'm t- <laughs> tired of at it, so it's, it's time to get it off of there. Yeah. Yeah. That's real fucking cool. That, uh, that workload when you're competing, too, is fucking different. I've done it one time and probably never do it again. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it took away from... I think it took away from my athlete's day having to worry about myself, mm-hmm. especially being in a meet that I hurt myself and mm-hmm. I had to worry about the rest of my athletes. I've done that, I, that exact same thing in the meet in February when I hurt my back. 
on my opening squad at that. So getting around, standing up, walking around was rough, but I had two lifters on the day. So it was either leave and, you know, go, I probably should have gone to the doctor or to the hospital at the time, but I was also there for them. So I stuck it out throughout the day to make sure they, and both of them, both of them had pretty good days. Um, but I felt pretty bad yeah. trying not to show it, but uh, yeah, that, that injury had me sidelined for, for about a month and a half. Man, mm. that's, uh, I don't know how you feel. You manage it so well and so much better than probably I do. I feel like I've learned a lot from you already, but um, <clears throat> man, the stress of a coaching day is underrated, especially oh, if you have multiple athletes Yeah, in a big way. And I remember that meet I got hurt at. It was your first one. Mm-hmm. I had Ashley competing. Yep. I had Mallory competing, yep. Tammy competing. Yep. Um, who the fuck else? But we I did have heard, one more. Had one we had more. one more, I but I don't remember, remember who it was now. I had five other people competing. I just tore my fucking ab in an ab and can barely fucking stand. And my, my only my only saving grace that day is my mom just had knee surgery and she was like, "This is shady, but I got some oxycodone in the car." Like, <laughs> I met my buddy Sonny out in the parking lot. He's like, "Have a pull off this." He always had a cut to Jack Daniel. He's, he's dead now, poor guy. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. I love that man. That's who my daughter's named after. <laughs> But uh, he had a fifth of Jack Daniels, and he's like, and I was like, I guess I'm fucking going there. <laughs> I'm going to feel shit. And I just remember it was Ashley's first 200-pound bench press, so that was a big fucking deal as a coach for me. I wish it had been in a, in a federation that mattered because that day we were all competing SPF. Yep. And the reason why is we had so many first-time lifters. I was like, this is the shortest day. It's the easiest day. Like, SPF meet, we're going to be done by noon. Like, Let's just go have fun, get everybody's first one out, out from under them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I just kind of remember just waking up in the restaurant after, <laughs> after the meet was over and thinking, God damn, it hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it sucks so bad. And then Iron City, I love that meet so much. But I had, I want to say I had seven or eight. Yeah, wait, Iron last. City. Ultimate Warrior. Is that the Ultimate one you're talking Warrior, about? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I had, eight, I had seven or eight. And I made, this was a, I know you're going to think I'm fucking crazy for this. This was a rookie coaching mistake for sure. I made the mistake of, I was wishing for this when I went in. I was like, I just hope I have somebody different in every flight so that I don't have to manage this giant flight. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, you want a flight want, off. If you, can, if you yeah. can get a flight off, you want if a flight you want off. A, yeah, if you want, if you want as many people on one flight as you can fuck. Absolutely. <laughs> because I had never ran my ass off like I did that fucking day. It's rough. That sucks. Especially if it's a four flight meet. Good luck with that. Yeah, it was. It's, it's, it was. It's rough, mm. That's a it's great rough. meet, and it's beautifully ran. It's the same guys that run it run fucking everything, and they're I'm Charlie. Guessing, Charlie. Charlie does a fucking great job. Um, but getting on the stage, there's this there's this pathway about as wide as this table that people are coming off, and you as a coach and an athlete are going on. So it's like this <laughs> constant like there's always a traffic jam. Yeah, and. uh Having somebody, man, I, I bet I walked fucking 30,000 steps that day. It was fucking, it was fucking rough. And I don't know how Sandy ended up with him, but I had Josh Crittner competing that day. He's an amazing athlete, but always manages to bomb somebody. <laughs> he, uh, and he don't mind me saying this. He's one of those guys, if I tell him to open with something, he's going to open with 50 pounds more, regardless mm-hmm. of what I fucking say. Yep. He just doesn't li- listen. <clears throat> this guy's an 800 pound squatter and. I was like, I, t- I told my wife, I was like, well, I'm going to have to take some. You're going to have to take some, like, depending on where we're at. And I don't know how she got ended up with Josh in a warm-up room. Yeah. <laughs> but my wife is warming up my only 800-pound squatter <laughs> in a warm-up room. And I'm like, fuck. That sucks so bad. She hated my guts. Is he a rap guy? Huh? 
Huh? Is he no, he's, he's sleeved. But he scored eight hundred in sleeves. Yeah, but yeah. I can tell you this. Uh, again, he's never, he's never not bombed to meet. Okay. <laughs> Fair, <laughs> Fair enough. enough. Fair this enough. is this is somebody that like immensely talented, and he knows this too. And I, again, don't mind saying this. I've told him. In person, multiple times, he's uncoachable. <laughs> it he'll stay in the pocket and he'll do his whole fucking prep perfect. But when it comes to meat day, he's like, he's one of those people that he's got to open with his one rep max or some shit. Was he like 23, 24? Is he young? Not, he's my age and he's just, he's done it himself so long. He just thinks he knows better. Does he have a total? That's the problem. He doesn't have, he doesn't have a meat total at all. Not a real meat total. Not one that you can put in a record book or anything. And he's just one of those, like, at some point, he's going to say, I know more than you. I'm going to do it this way. <laughs> he just, uh, I love the boy. Super talented. 500-pound bench press or two. Doesn't pull worth a fuck. But, like. Shit, 1,300-pound subtotal is pretty much. You want to pull a whole lot of <laughs> Like fuck, he he squatted. What did he squat at that mock meet one time at any time of all places? Oh, I don't remember. Gym bar. He squatted seven fifty on a fucking thirty-two mil fucking forty-five pound gym bar at a fucking mock meet one time. Sounds like just fucking yeah. I don't know how it didn't do the Joel Sullivan thing and just fucking around him. But like, dude was bad, but he just just wouldn't fucking listen. Like nothing. Like just is what it is. But that was the most stressful coaching day of my career. Real. But uh, get into some of the stuff we talked about show before the show. Nathan just finished a stint with Joe Sullivan and did a lot of things, a lot of things different. And yep. I feel like me and you did a lot of the things similar. Me and you had box jumps before we squatted, stuff like that, some athletic stuff. Um, you want to tell them kind of what you were doing? You're giving them a kind of a, a, kind of a rundown of like philosophy in, in a sense. I mean, like, truthfully, I Some of this just... stuff's proprietary, obviously, so we don't want to give away everything fucking Joe does, but... I don't know that it is necessarily, but um, let me just pull up and I can kind of like get a better idea. I can just pull up the old sheet. Basically, we want to give you a rundown of what we've been doing and like your approach to programming. Obviously, I know it a little bit better than uh, than Nathan does, but mm-hmm. like um, I think all three of us, all three of us program for people and all three of us do things differently mm-hmm. as we probably yeah. should. But right. Um, you know, I think get an idea of what Ron likes to do and why he likes to do it. Yeah. So typically we would start the day with some sort of cardio, like either a bike or um, the treadmill or, or something like that. And then we do some sort of like active movement. So it'd be like med ball slams or kettlebell swings, box jumps, anything like that. He did have me at one point box jumping and deadlifting like simultaneously well not simultaneously but like yeah super basically a superset so Mm -hmm. i'd like do some box jumps go and do some deadlifts um one thing that i took that i actually really enjoyed was that he split it up he did a four-day split so he did two days of power lifting and he said these are the days you're a power lifter you go in you focus on your power lifting your squat bench and deadlift and that's it your accessory works just kind of there and then the other two days were your supplementary or bodybuilding days and you just you want to go in there and get a huge pump get a bunch of metabolites get out Mm -hmm. like that was the whole goal so that's kind of like a rough breakdown of of what we did um but like i feel like that was i feel like that was pretty consistent not mm -hmm. identical but pretty consistent with what ron was doing and that's something that as a powerlifting coach i don't necessarily do all the time but i did a whole lot of i mean you both have a crossfit background Mm -hmm. like we did a whole lot of that shit in crossfit obviously um, and as it turns out, like, I mean, you didn't hit within your heaviest 
What your heaviest squat and prep was what? Five hundred pounds. It was five forty-five. So it was a little heavier than yeah. it was. Your biggest deadlift was five eighty-five, and your biggest yep. bench was four hundred five, four fifteen. Four fifteen. And you went five seventy-two, five sixty-two, five sixty-two, four thirty-five, and four thirty-six, six sixty-two, six sixty-one. Big fucking difference. Yep. But his manipulation of the energy systems is something mm-hmm. that maybe I did didn't understand quite so well going yeah. into it and like there were there were some pretty a lot from like analyzing his program yeah there was you know there was I mean? some interesting <laughs> stuff too like he would come in and he'd say all right one day specifically it was it was part of so he doesn't actually plan deloads right he kind of like what you have the capability to do of the week is what he's going to plan for mm-hmm. and then like he, he programs week to week, not month to month oh, or block to block. <laughs> so, like, he'd be like, all right, so I, I saw that everything was real shitty this week, so you're going to go down. Things were great this week, going to go up. Maybe lifts are different, you know, so maybe this goes up, this goes down, whatever. Mm-hmm. But one thing that was really interesting, and it was kind of like a deload, but he came in, he said, on this day, I don't want you to listen to any heavy music. I don't want you to do anything other than just listen to some podcasts or air or yeah, like curve. Yeah, like that, cadence, yeah, like anything like that. And that was a really different experience trying to go in there and just like nonchalantly go in and lift weight, which it wasn't heavy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not really like having to get hyped up for like a 300 pound squat or whatever at like at our level, yeah. but like, yeah, it was just really interesting. It was, and I've, I've had that now where I'm like, I don't really listen to music going to the gym. Like I listen to podcasts when I'm warming up, listen to podcasts, like pretty, pretty chill stuff. And then when I lift, I'm like, okay, let's put some, put some music on, like actually get moving and and going. So it's, it's kind of altered my brain a little bit to, to start working like that. Yeah. I also think it's, honestly, I feel like too much arousal during a prep can lend to extra unnecessary fatigue as prep goes on. So, you know, where you may normally be able to push a block, five weeks, but you've been snorting ammonia, listening to, you know, death metal for top sets for the entire duration of, you know, a block or the final week of a a set block or whatnot, you may end up having to cut that block a bit short just because the fatigue from that overstimulation Mm -hmm. just, just really continues to rack up. Um, So kind of one thing I like to do with some of my lifters is pretty much everybody, everybody nowadays is heavy on caffeine when it comes to pre-workouts and stuff like that. There are really no super low stem pre-work. There are some, but it's either no stem or it's high stem. There's really not a whole lot that's kind of in the middle. Um, I like to recommend that my lifters kind of taper down on caffeine and pre-workout and stuff like that, especially that week going into a meet. I don't really, I don't really see a necessity to drink near the amount of caffeine that you would the week leading up to the meet. Now, I don't have them cut it out completely because now you're talking about, you know, potential withdrawal headaches mm-hmm. and brain fog and inability to to do your day job and stuff like that. But I always recommend that they back off on it, at least cut it in half. Um, that way you actually benefit from it on meat day. It's not just, you know, um, carbonation or or whatever flavor your favorite pre-workout may be. <laughs> you actually get some benefit from it. So I like that thought process a lot. Yeah, yeah that's something I started doing. with. I've only implemented it so far with Austin, but Austin being the only – you know, 18, 1900 pound potential total that we have. Um, his days are segmented into low, medium, and high. Yep. And he doesn't get a high day until the peak week of that block. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it's an AMRAP or if it's a top single or whatever it may be for that for that block, the only thing I'm doing is like, and I've got it designated like low days are podcast, no caffeine, like minimal arousal. The mid, and then the middle is you can have an energy drink, you can put on some music, and then the high one is like, you can have your ammonia, you can have your pre-workout, you can have heavy music, whatever you want. 
And I, it's worked out really well for him. That's the only athlete I've implemented it with so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but with somebody that is as strong as he is, it's really, I feel like it's really paid dividends yeah. because he's he's getting up at the right time, I guess. You know? Yeah. And that's something I struggle with personally. And I didn't, you know, I've cut, cut out a lot of caffeine anyway, but that's something that uh, I probably need to implement. That's a lot stronger philosophy than I really would have ever thought about yeah. until you know, until we experienced that with him, but. Well, you think about um, this, like you're taking like the ability to squat with like your, your CNS just being very neutral. Like let's say being in a, 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 what is it? A more relaxed state. Is it parasympathetic? Sympathetic. Sympathetic. I I always get the two backwards, but um, being in a sympathetic state, being able to squat even remotely heavy, right? So let's say like, even if it's 80%, being able to squat 80% sympathetically is going to like be practice. It's going to be work. It's going to be a different like stimulus. Yeah. So then when you go in and you're like super pumped about it, you're just like, I'm going to fucking rip this thing in half. You know what I mean? Like you're just so stoked. And like, I don't know. I, I just think it makes, it makes a ton of sense. Not only that, but it's, it's very personality based too. Cause you've got some people that'll get overly hyped. Now mm-hmm. the technique goes to shit yep. and they can't duplicate the exact same thing on a meet day when, you know, you've got a crowd, you've got three judges and stuff like that. You can't duplicate what you what you did in the gym because you're overly hyped, overly stimulated. So mm-hmm. it's good to know that you can come in with a baseline and on your worst day or on your lowest, um, lowest arousal day, hit weights near the top end of, you know, your potential and stuff like that. And then at that point, you're only adding on to what you can do right. on an actual comp day. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that uh, makes a ton of sense. I mean, I think that uh, I, I mean I see that in myself more than see, any, see it in anybody. Like, uh, for whatever reason, for the longest, I'm much better about this now. And this takes discipline. This comes with training age, I think. But like, we talk about it with our clients all the time. But approaching 135 and 500 the same is so fucking important. Yeah, respect the way all the time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talked about this. Every minor injury I've had in the gym or something like that. Hasn't been on a max effort pull or a max effort squat or a max effort bench press. It's been on some shit that I just didn't have respect for. Yep. And it's like there's something to that too. But also when you're when you have a sub maximal lift and maybe it's an AMRAP or something like that and you don't compete, you know, you don't you don't perform the way you want to on mm-hmm. it. It's like, well, did you treat it the same as you know, you know yeah. as as this? But like if you get in that heightened state of arousal, like it's probably not going to be the same. Yeah. Let's be honest. Like you're not, you're, you're, you're at that point, you're completely in fight mode. You're not in any sense of logic. Like it's like blacking out during a fight. You always, everybody knows that Jim bro or somebody just like, <laughs> I, well, I see I red when I thought I see red. I see red. <laughs> and the next time you're at the bar with them, they get knocked the fuck out. Like, it's yeah. they're, not, they're not thinking about things logically. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not going through processes. The same thing happens to us in the gym. And that fucking happens honestly, more often than it should. And I do think it's something as coaches we should address more and more often. Um, that being said, Ron, we kind of went on another tangent, man. Like, I guess just give us a background on, like, what's your what's – your, you don't have to be exact because I know this stuff's proprietary and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, like, what is your philosophy on how you progress weights, how you, how you set something up, how you uh, make a plan, I guess? So, <clears throat> so a lot of what I learned was – from my very first coach, um, Chad Wesley Smith, who is yeah. known for the uh, the, ch- the juggernaut principles, scientific mm-hmm. principles of strength training. Um, I actually met Chad in 2016 when I was out in Australia competing, and we we became pretty good friends at the time. And he went on to coach me into a couple meets after that. Well, a lot of things that 
he would do for me, I found ways to implement that with a lot of my lifters. And at that time, it was he was really big in the the uh, the online seminars and stuff like that on YouTube. So any and everything that he and Max Ada from Juggernaut um, put out, I was I was on it. I had the notifications set on my phone for anything that they dropped. Um, when it would come out, I'd be tuned in. So um, a lot of things that I that I implement now stem from a lot of things that I learned from them. Um, Block periodization is what I do for the vast majority of people. I just kind of tinker it depending on, say, experience level, male versus female, um, strength level. So kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier in terms of having uh, scheduled deloads on that fourth week. Uh, I tend to have, you know, kind of a four to five week window mm-hmm. specifically for like my my guys, my stronger guys. And typically what I'll do is I'll have it kind of set in my mind that for my lighter weight lifters or for my ladies to push them out a bit further, just because women tend to recover much better, especially from volume than guys do. Yeah. So I don't come in necessarily with the preconceived notion that, you know, just because, you know, lifter a female lifter a is you know at a certain total and female lifter b is at a certain total that both of them are going to be required to deload on the fifth week i've got some people that i've pushed eight weeks plus and they're still progressing on a weekly basis and they're just you know not fatiguing also things that come into play are you know lifestyle what is this person's what is this person's lifestyle what does this person do for a living do they have kids are they married do they travel for work I like to get to know my lifters so that I can specifically implement these things into the way that I progress them or I back them off. I don't want to run somebody into the dirt that works manual labor and I've got them doing, you know, you know, RP eight singles week to week to week. Some people need that. Some people need that stimulus, like you said, kind of mentally um, to keep themselves in the game. And although from a programming standpoint, it may not be the most logical thing to do if they're going to buy into it that's going to top logic 90% of the time. If my mm-hmm. lifter isn't bought into the program and they're not enjoying themselves, I'm talking specifically mostly younger lifters yeah. um, or inexperienced lifters. My my people who've been doing this for a long time that just want to get better, they'll come in and do the exact same thing every single day for years on end if the mm-hmm. total's going up. But you do have some loose cannons that want to mix things up, and that's the only way they're going to stay engaged and want to progress. So it really just depends on the personality, man, and, and getting to know your lifters and, and progressing from there. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost – we know as coaches that the best program is the one that you can stick to. Absolutely. You know, that's, uh, that's incredibly fucking powerful. Yeah. But I'll say this though. It's cool to know that you're a juggernaut nerd too. I probably watch every video from, from like 2016 up to probably like 2019, 2020. There's probably not a video on there that involves powerlifting that and powerlifting program that I didn't watch. I'll tell you something that me and Nathan wear out is the max recoverable volume and the minimal effective volume. Yeah, man. We wear that fucker out. Yeah. I, have, I have made reference to that video more times than I can count. That was probably the first ebook that I actually that I actually downloaded, The Scientific Principles of Strength Training. Yeah. That was probably the first ebook that I actually downloaded and actually really spent time going through. Because I'm I'm not a big reader. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a visual guy, but you know, that was that was one of the few that I actually sat down and really, really flipped through the pages. Max Ada was somebody that really is he inspired me to like look into some more odd kind of training like Initially, Nathan included, um, I messed around with a whole lot of like Russian style programming for a long time because Max Ada had a lot of experience with Russian program and the Bulgarian method and stuff from Olympic lifting. And I was like, you remember that when squat every day was kind of the big thing. (laughs) I'll tell you this. And me and him have both done it several times. I I wouldn't doubt that you've done it. But uh, another big influence on me early on was Elliot Hulse. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, yes. Oh, strength camp. Yeah. Yeah, Strength camp. Okay. He had squats and milk. Mm-hmm. Like, man. 
three days a week, one by 20 on squat, you add five pounds every time you go in there. And that, st- that stuff as a beginner paid fucking dividends, dude. Like, I mean, I saw shit shoot up in me and, and everybody around me like so fast doing that shit. And there's just comes a point where your one rep maxes are big enough that 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 program is no longer possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to fucking do that no more. Yep. But I, I just, uh, Max, I is a lot of the reasons I got into like weird stuff like that. And then like just regurgitating things that him and Chad Wesley Smith were doing. And then they inspired me to hire Brandon Allen, who was probably at the same time you were a client of Chad Wesley Smith. He was. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so Chad's programming, I'm guessing probably, I mean, uh, Brandon's programming, I'm guessing probably looked a lot like Chad's. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> in 2017, actually me and Brandon, we did the, uh, the American cup together at the LA fit expo and Chad happened to be there being in California. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that we had a lot of similarities in the way that, you know, we were programmed and stuff. Him, but him obviously being at the time he was a three hundred eight or a super heavyweight guy, and I was a one sixty five or so. <laughs> there had to be some differences, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of similarities from a from a training. Standpoint. I tell you one thing: at the height of, it, I got Brandon at the height of volumes, not necessarily your friend, being a really really popular sentiment with people. To going with Brandon and having like four or five six sets of things. And then every week, uh, I, I deloaded every fourth week religiously with him. But that third week was our peak week, and we were going to hit an AMRAP at something got awful heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, it might be 20 pounds heavier than we've hit the rest of the block, and we were going to hit an AMRAP. And he expected, if we were in a block of eights, he wanted eight plus. Good God. You know, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I'll tell you this, though, and while I don't necessarily completely reflect and believe in his programming the same way I used to, Volume fixes a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think I, I say this a whole lot and I don't want to run an athlete into the ground ever. It's all according to what they can handle. But for me, I relate it back to music. You were a baseball player, right? Yeah. Okay. It's like hitting, it's like taking batting practice or something like that, right? We're developing a skill. The more, even if it's an empty barbell, the more licks you have squatting, bench pressing, or deadlifting. Like the more refined technique becomes, the better you're going to get at stuff to a point. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, so I really feel like, you know, like I said, kind of with Brandon at the height of all of a sudden volume's a good uh, volume's been a good thing for a hundred years, and now we're at the height of everybody's opinions. Volume's bad. He took me right back into volume, and it made mm-hmm. me it made me competitive because I wasn't going to be before. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I don't know. I learned a lot from that. I also kind of learned not not to do from that too because that was. Three weeks of heavy volume like that was fucking brutal. <laughs> I remember coming off of deload weeks and like going from like tens to eights or something like that and coming off deload week and my hamstrings cramping at like second or third set of squats mm-hmm. and just not being able to fucking complete the volume. Like, like just being fucking dead. <laughs> was your, was your nutrition still shitty back then too though? Was oh, you it, know, you it think was. that yeah, contributed you know, to it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, it, it could have been part of that too. Person on, the, on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I'll say this though, Brandon knew that. You know, he's like everything else like like I do, like I'm sure I know you do because you you've asked me, and I know Nathan does. Um, you know, he gets a weekly assessment from me. He knows what I'm doing, what I'm not doing, stuff like that, how I'm sleeping, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what drugs I'm taking, what I'm eating, everything else. And like, was, was it was fucking brutal. <laughs> That's the only thing I gotta say. In man. fairness, I usually only get the bad updates. Uh, yeah, you generally only. Get <laughs> I don't get the good updates. <laughs> I'm not like, hey, dude, I ate chicken and rice today with a little bit of broccoli. Never get that. It is what it is. Um, the Chincident happened with Brandon, too. Does Ron know about the Chincident? The Chincident? I don't know. The Chincident? I'm not sure. Uh, so, 
Brandon had me programmed six sets of two at a specific weight. I don't remember what weight, what weight it was on deadlifts one night. My dumb ass. First of all, at the time, I'm on more gear than anybody should have fucking been on. And especially to be as weak as I am, I definitely shouldn't have been on it. But not doing me any damn good. I go in at like six, six, seven o'clock one night, and I'm hitting these fucking deadlifts. And I go this was through. after training all day, right? Like this training clients. All day. Yeah. yeah, after working all day, I'm hitting these fucking deadlifts. And uh, get to my sixth set, pull the first one, it's fine. Pull the second one, and everything just like the lights just turn off, right? And I managed to ride the deadlift to the ground, and then I pass out over the bar. And I'm in a commercial gym, right? Because I used to work at an any time. And there's a little ramp, like on the front I know the of the exact, deadlift platform. My chin hit that. Fucking gashed it open. Fucking blood everywhere, like terrible. Fortunately, the place. knocked myself out, had a seizure because I knocked myself out. And I get up and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to finish the rest of my workout. My wife's like, no, the fuck you are. Like, no, you're not, no, you're not fucking finishing this death. You're not going to finish the session. Did you have the beard the at the time? Oh, yeah. So, okay. So you got a little bit of cushion there. A little bit. Minimal, but a minimal. some, yeah. But anyway, we go to the emergency room. They shave out the center of my beard. It's like fucking to the bone right here or mm-hmm. whatever, right? And, uh. This is how I got my only endorsement as a power lifter. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking all the way to the fucking chin bone, dude. And they fucking stitched it back up. And it was a big pain in the ass. And they come back and they were like, listen, man, I had like 800 milligrams of caffeine too. This is also when I stopped taking so much pre-workout. Mm-hmm. This is how I learned to not take much pre-workout. <laughs> they were like, listen, man, you're bad dehydrated and you got more caffeine in you than we've ever fucking seen before. <laughs> it's like, you're going to have to drink a bottle of water. And, uh, Anyway, the doctor comes in. He's like, listen, if you wouldn't have had this mouthpiece in, you would have lost all your fucking teeth. Like, we'd be talking about, like, major dental surgery, like, because you hit your fucking chin hard. Like, mm-hmm. I had a concussion. had to get, like, CT scans and everything else. And uh, anyway, so a couple days later, I'm, I just messaged New Age Performance. I'm like, hey, I just want to say thank you because... I passed the fuck out the other day, and uh, your mouthpiece kept all my fucking teeth in my head. <laughs> so, so thank you. And they're like, "Oh yeah, that's awesome. Uh, can we see the video?" And they're like, "Yeah, we pulled off the security cam, sent it to them. They're like, you get forty percent off the rest of your life." No. <laughs> and they used me in an advertisement. <laughs> Didn't they? Spend, that's fantastic. Didn't they send you a bunch of them too? Yeah, they sent you like, like three or four. Three. Yeah. I got a discount code the rest of my life. Which one were you using? Were you New using Age? The, no, I mean like what was yes. the th- Yes. This one from weight okay. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. That's Being wild, stupid pace. <laughs> wow. Uh, we're work, we're working on my discipline. Really. I promise <laughs> that the next time I hire you for a prep, you're gonna see a much different person. <laughs> Not 800 milligrams of caffeine. Please. No, I haven't done that in years now. Uh, I've done you've been you've been off off pre workout. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I do take some upper body days. I take half a scoop sometimes. And then I sent you this, uh, the hydraulic every now and then. If mm-hmm. I really feel like I need to pick me up, I'll do a non-stem on leg days. I really like that stuff, honestly. Yeah. But listen, like, I tell clients this all the time. If you're going to take so much caffeine that your heart rate's going to spike, it's going to keep you from, uh, you know, keep you from performing that set of 10 on squats I need you to perform because you can't fucking breathe through it. You don't need to fucking do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's all there is to it. Or you're not able to come down enough in time to go to sleep. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. it's counterproductive at that point if you're not able to sleep yeah. and repair and recover. Who cares how your training went on yeah, the day? It was a, that that same that same time period, I mentioned what all I was on, and I had hired again against Brandon's wishes. I had hired an anabolic coach, separate from Brandon Allen, and they were a bodybuilder. 
which mm. nothing against bodybuilding, but you know, these people take a gram a week or better. And they were like, you want, they want, I want a half CC of test E, trine and Masteron E three times a week. So this is what I'm taking. <laughs> and this, by the way, this is the first time I had started already taking testosterone for my mental health. Mm-hmm. So I, up to that point, I had done like 200 milligrams a week, you know, to put me back together because I was in, I was in shambles at that time. But I was taking so much, I was just getting night sweats and staying up all night. I wasn't sleeping. So like the caffeine was like adding to it. I wasn't sleeping, so I'd wake up tired as fuck. I would go get a coffee in the morning, pre-workout before I worked out. Fucking two or three coffees later, a fucking tea from one of the fucking shake places. Like I was probably knocking down fifteen hundred milligrams of caffeine at the time. Yeah, never ending cycle. Caffeine and sleep like, like shit. More I caffeine, went, sleep sleep worse. I, 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 <laughs> I, man, when I tell you in coaching, I learned everything the hard way. I learned everything the fucking hard way. Yeah. Everything my people do is because I did it fucking so wrong. It is what it is. But September to October that year, uh, I went like 30 some odd days, like 45 minutes to an hour of sleep every night and uh, and lost like fucking 34, 35 pounds in, in less than a month. Fucking. I remember that because you pulled me into the office one day and we're like, dude, and you just like let it all out because you were so like stressed and frustrated. And I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, I was like, I wasn't expecting this. So I learned it in a hard way. It is what it is. I feel like I'm just, I'm telling it myself now. <laughs> you feel guilty about it? I'm in charge. So when I just bring all this shit up, now they're going to hold over your head. Nah, they'll know better. Hopefully No, nah, I don't think they'll know. I think that I think for the most part, my clients appreciate how open and honest yeah. about things. I don't like to hide a lot from them, as I do like to be able to point to it and be like, "Listen, like I've done this. This is the wrong way to fucking do this. <laughs> I can prove it to you with blood work and medical records. I got video, stitches, dance, like stitches. Like you can't be doing this, man. Like, you got to you got to do it right. So it's funny now, but it is what it is. Yes. <laughs> You got some serious questions for Ron? Serious? <laughs> I don't know about serious, but uh, so you're in prep. So, like, what is your plan if you're if you're okay being open with it? Like, what what are the numbers that you're aiming for when you compete? This particular meet, I'm not really looking for individual numbers. I'm looking more so for a total. I want to hit something minimum about eighteen sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, very very top end, maybe closer to nineteen hundred. I think realistically, I'm gonna be capable of 1900. It's just gonna kind of be one of those things of, am I gonna am I gonna need it? Um, okay. My biggest goal, like I said earlier, is I wanna ha- I wanna get a total big enough that would get me into the prime time slot um, at nationals, which is in September. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this meet being at the end of February, I'm not gonna compete again between the two, um, and that's just gonna give me all the time I need to to really build and you know hopefully make a real run at a potential. You know, win uh, podium spot is is the goal. But if I can, you know, if I can sneak into that that top spot, then obviously I'm going to go for it. But um, yeah, I don't I don't really have any individual numbers. Um, squat is my favorite lift; it's my best lift. So realistically, I just I would like to hit a small PR on that. Mm-hmm. But realistically, I I just want to total something. You know, eighteen sixty plus eight. Like I said, eighteen forty six is my best total. I think eighteen sixty plus is what's going to be required. Just kind of mm-hmm. knowing some of the top guys in the weight class. Um, that's kind of that's probably going to be that that marker that cutoff that I think would get me into that that prime time spot for the two twenties. So are they just pulling basically like totals leading up to who signs up? Like is that how they're they're gauging prime time? I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure how that process even works. To be honest with you, I just okay. I just know that based on 
Um, when I when I look at the lifters that have been selected for prime time in years past, I go back and I kind of see where their totals are and kind of mm-hmm. see where they ranked. And then um then because obviously some people that have those the totals that would get them into prime time, they they may not be doing nationals at all. They may be right. doing another federation or, you know, they may just be waiting on another specific meet due to travel reasons or financial costs and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's not necessarily um, you know, like a top five or top ten ranking. I think it kind of falls based on who signs up and then where you're ranked at okay. at that that particular time. Right. So if I'm, you know, tenth and they take five spots or something like that, then I guess that's probably five people that I need to hope up to not do the meet for me to get in or something right. like that. So right. I, I would assume that's kind of how they do it, but I kind of want to make it so that I don't I don't leave any doubts. And I feel like that eighteen sixty plus would guarantee me a spot. Nineteen hundred, obviously. That's that's that would have probably played that would have placed me second at nationals this year. Okay. So if I can get, you know, the closer I can get to that nineteen hundred mark, the the more comfortable I feel about, you know, me getting into that primetime slot. Cause that's the like I said, that's the only way I'm actually gonna do nationals is if I can make that primetime slot. Cause I don't want to take anything away from the lifters that I have doing the the primary session. Gotcha. So any thoughts on maybe in the future like American Pro or Ghost Clash or so anything like that? I got invited to the Ghost Clash Last year, mm-hmm. um, not last year, it was the year before last. Um, I don't necessarily have any plans on it this particular year because, like I said, my right. my primary focus right now is I want I want to do Raw Nationals at least one time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have what I would consider allegiance to one federation. I've been primarily USPA WRPF. I started in the APA actually, mm-hmm. um, I, but I've been primarily USPA WRPF for the bulk of my competitive career this is so i've done three usapl meets total now um i don't like i said, I, don't, I don't have necessarily a preference right now I just, i'm just kind of on a mission i want to do nationals that one that one time um i don't necessarily know that i'm gonna stay on that side but like i said it, pretty much anything's possible the american pro looks so much fun i know right um and i, and I qualified to to be there like it, it wouldn't be a matter of can i be there it's just that the timing of it, I think they're like four or five weeks apart mm-hmm. between that and nationals, and they just yeah. wouldn't be feasible for me to. I could do both, but one's gonna suffer yeah. big time. And on those two platforms, I want to be one hundred percent my best at both. Right. Sure. Um. So maybe maybe the American Pro four in twenty twenty five. Um. You know, maybe I'll step on that on that platform. But with the way the sport's changing now, and the the split between the, the drug tested federations, the powerlifting Americas and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe I'll venture over that route after, after 2024, but I, I'm not ruling anything out. Honestly. Were you not, were you not chasing your own squat record in Alabama at one point or is it a national record? I'm sorry. Um, I know you got national records and stuff. Yeah. At one point, the, the USPA drug tested national record, which I think I still have it. Um, it was like high sixes. It was like six eighty eight or something like that. Um, but I, at one point, I was chasing the what was the most recent one? I want to say that. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's the one that that is most notable as as far as recently. I don't. I don't really keep up with a lot of like the state records and stuff like that. Um, in a lot of cases, most of them, especially at two twenty in the state, I have them. So like, I, I'm typically chasing most of the the national records sure. and world records and stuff like that. The, the majority of records that I don't have are deadlifts because obviously the deadlift is my worst lift. Um, I'm a decent deadlifter at the absolute best. It's my worst lift. It's my nemesis, but that's the one that I've been, I would say, emphasizing the most 
um, with my current coach, um, Jaslyn Pepper, who's she's been fantastic. Um, got nothing but great things to say about her. Um, but we've been pushing that really, really hard, and I want to get to where I'm consistently pulling at least in the low sevens on a, you know, on a on a meet to meet basis. I don't mm-hmm. want it to be a you know a, a long shot to pull seven hundred plus. I want it to be potentially a second attempt, and then only go further if I absolutely need to. Sure. So we're we're getting there. You know, I've, I've had a couple really good blocks of deadlifts with um, with her recently, and I, I think we're about to have a breakthrough. Have you been over five hundred on bench yet? I no, no. So when I hurt my back early this year, um, going back to talking about Russian program, and I ran the Smolov Junior program. <laughs> and uh, any, so anybody that doesn't know what Smolov Junior bench program is, it's basically it's yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, so you're, you're benching four days a week, and, and I mean I can I can tell you the exact program right now. It's it's uh, six by six at seventy percent, seven by five at seventy five, eight by four at eighty, and then ten by three at eighty five. And then you add five kilos to each session from the previous week on the following week. Um, so the first two days have a day in between them. So it's Monday, Wednesday, and then Friday and Saturday are back to back. So you have the eight by four and the 10 by three back to back days at 80 and 85%. Mm-hmm. So on week three, I'm sorry. Yeah. At the end of week three, I was doing 407 for 10 by three, which is the absolute most ridiculous. I survived it. <laughs> I survived it. But um, but at that time you're you're not you're not squatting or deadlifting anything significant. So the goal is to essentially put those kind of on the back burner, keep it at 55, 60% for um technique maintenance more mm-hmm. than anything. And just and just basically try not to backslide in that meantime. If you try to push those, you're gonna hurt yourself. Um if you're not in a surplus, especially at you know, moving those weights, you're probably gonna hurt yourself. So I was the heaviest I will I've ever been at that time. I got up to about 232. Um I hit 486, which at the time was a 22-pound PR. I did try 500, got it about halfway up, just couldn't finish it, but I had to go for it. There was no way I would <laughs> go for it. So my, my goal for that entire thing was, one, keep me motivated because I was so um, – I was borderline depressed after I got hurt because, like mm-hmm. I said, I was I was going up for the, the state meet, um, and I had plans to extend my record – the national record even further at that at that uh at that meet and I got hurt on my opening squat. And um, you know, like I said, not being able to train like I wanna train and like I know I'm capable of, that's a really big part of who I am and, you know, my identity and stuff like that. It was it was borderline depressing. So yeah. I had to find something from a training standpoint to kind of keep me excited about going to the gym and what better way to do it than like, let's chase a five hundred pound bench press. Sure, yeah, absolutely. It makes sense, man. hundred percent. I mean that's it's good shit. Yeah, I'd <laughs> like to get there one day. I would it, like it to get there. <laughs> but that, It'll happen. That does kind of spring me into another question. In a day and an age where, like, there's not, I don't really, me and Nathan talk about it, like, with clients, like, you pull how you win, right? Mm-hmm. Sumo, dead, uh, sumo, conventional, I don't give a fuck. Like, whatever is going to get you the biggest total is how I want you to pull, right? Yep. I don't mm-hmm. really care. But in a day and an age where it seems like everybody's got a big deadlift now because they're either gifted at conventional or they're figured out how a way to manipulate sumo in a way that they can just fucking pull a lot of weight, which both are gifts, not taking mm-hmm. away anything. Do you feel like, and me and Nathan, I think kind of do, do you feel like bench press is kind of slowly starting to be the thing that separates like people? Yeah. Um, because like you take a look at somebody like hack, right? Like at 198 pounds, nobody's fucking touching that bench press. Right. <laughs> not, not full power. That's not, sure. not, not, yeah. not full power. You right. know what I mean? Like, do you not kind of feel like it's kind of starting to trend that way in some some instances? I feel like more people are starting to take bench seriously and not so much as kind of the intermission. Whereas, like, you got a lot of guys who are deadlift specialists who have eh, squats, 
bench and then it's like okay well my opening deadlift is going to pull me into you know first place position from 10th mm-hmm. or whatnot yeah. you got a lot of guys that just don't want to play catch up like that anymore yeah um i think a lot of people have kind of finally seen the light and they've had enough of just being you know elite or world class at one lift and they're starting to tra- take their training across the board on all three lifts a little more seriously um and honestly it's it's nice to see uh, we you do still have some people who are just going to be leverage gods um there, yeah. there's no way around that but um i feel like the the trends of especially with guys wanting to get bigger and get stronger and not necessarily just be so really good at refining technique um i, I stress that a lot I, I want my guys to be to be muscular i want my guys to be big guys I want, I want my guys to be strong guys be proficient from a leverage standpoint as well but ultimately if you're if your leverages and your technique fail you need to be able to muscle through some shit mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, you don't, yeah, you, you're not going to always be able to depend on technique, sure. especially on meat day when the, when the weights are 100 plus percent. If you're not brute, brute force strong to some degree, something's going to fail you. And I think the biggest difference in bench press I've seen, like as a coach, one of my first one of my first meets as a coach was at Diamond K. It was USAPL meet. My wife was competing. I think I had one more competing. Well, you had all these natty guys go out, and they had seriously like had six and seven hundred pound squats and deadlifts. And I'm like, fuck, this is huge. Mm-hmm. And then the same guys go out and bench press like two seventy five. Yeah, that always like, bothered me. But like, <laughs> but like no, but now now you're seeing those guys like they're kind of fucking catching up. Like just at your meet the other day, drug tested event, mm-hmm. like you had multiple guys three fifty plus. Yeah. And then Lentini did not did he not press four oh two or something at, uh, at, at one hundred sixty five one hundred eighty one something. I like think that, that was it. I think <clears> he did the meet at one eighty one because him and Max went heads up, but I don't think he was even a full one eighty one. He he may have been somewhere in the mid one seventies. I mean that's like yeah, I think that, you're right. I think it was one seventy. You talking about people taking everything a little bit more seriously than they used to is evident because there was a time where it's like it didn't kill a meet, but like you went to a USAPL meet or a drug tested meet and you're like. Super excited to watch everybody squat and then like, oh, it's bench press. That's it. Where's the bathroom, man? We're gonna go find we're gonna go find a place to eat lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and even still, bench is probably the least entertaining of the three, but now you do have more people who are worth sticking around to watch. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Bench, I think it's kind of an under, uh, underrated part of the the whole thing. Everybody's excited about deadlifts, but I think it's sneaky, like from a spectator spectator standpoint. Mm-hmm. These are long days. I think it's Deadlifts kind of because everybody's ready for the shit to be over. <laughs> it depends. Sometimes, it you know depends. what I mean? Like, there's, back yeah. was fucking huge. It was yeah, fun. Man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's always exceptions to that, but like, everybody's always up for deadlifts. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I it's think one of those things like... When I was watching the American Pro, when I was watching, uh, it was the women's wrapped with like Brianni and Hunter Henderson and Denise Herber. I thought bench was probably one of the most fun parts of it. Like, cause just seeing, seeing these women just go out there and like bench. Ungodly no, I love numbers. watching the women bench. Yeah. yeah. Did, like seeing a woman bench, you know, high twos into the threes. threes and in some yep. cases you got some that are, that are approaching four. Mm-hmm. Um, women's benching as far as from a spectator standpoint, to me personally is more entertaining, especially at the, you know, the top levels mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but, and this day and age more, more than ever, Bench isn't necessarily going to win the meet for you at these top meets, but it can easily lose you the meet. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is, if, like you said, if you've got, you know, big squat, big deadlift and a, and a shit bench, you know, realistically, your, your chances just kind of plummet. If you've got something that's kind of middle of the pack, I'm not saying, you know, you're the best bench in the class, but if there's 12 people in a flight and you're somewhere in that five, six spot, but you got a big squat and a big deadlift, you're in a really good spot. But if you're leading off the flight with bench press, you're, you're probably killing your chances to win the meet. Sure. <clears throat> Me and you didn't really get an opportunity to talk about this with me personally because my bench press is 
nearly as good as my squat, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but because I had that pec strain, and I don't know if you remember, but I ended up having a close grip on competition day. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what you, I don't really know what your bench press philosophy is, but I tend to find that, and I don't know maybe if it's in my programming or something else, and if it's my fault, you should tell me absolutely. But I feel like bench press tends to be the most unreliable, so it's something I tend to undershoot attempts wise for people more than I do squat and deadlift if that makes sense yeah like i mean if their gym best is 400 we may not necessarily touch 400 on the platform right you know what i mean like um i don't know how you normally call that it's probably individual but, so much of it depends on the day so yeah. if, if they took a let's say an rp eight third squat okay yeah. well you know they're probably pretty fresh going into bench press but if they if their third attempt was a death grind then you can't really expect to necessarily duplicate top end or go above what they hit in the gym just based on the fatigue from the squat alone. So you're look, you're actively looking at their squat. And then, I, so, yes. Yeah. So I don't, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I come in with a game plan of only openers on meet day as far as like, if I'm handling you in person, I know what you're going to open with and that's it. Yeah. So I judge attempts like subsequent attempts after that based on how the previous attempt moved if your warm-ups look like dog shit before the opener you know the opener actually happens i'll go lower the opener i'm not there's no ego here and i, I try to stress that to all my lifters as well but i choose attempts on the day based on how the day is moving is the meat moving really fast is the flight shorter because somebody maybe you know went from a 12 person flight to a 10 person flight because two people didn't show up on the day or something like that little things like that can little nuances like that can make the difference in somebody hitting a you know a really um, long grind of a third attempt and just missing a third attempt at lockout or something like that. So those things matter a lot. Now you're a really really good student of powerlifting in general. You know the rule book better than anybody, probably better than the people that fucking wrote the things <laughs> most of the time. <clears throat> Do you feel like that's what separates good coaches from great coaches? I feel like what separates good coaches from great coaches is giving a fuck. Uh, Realistically, emotional investment in your in your clients' performances goes I agree so that. far. I and and really and um I was having this discussion with Tammy. Tammy, she just she just coached at her first meet um as a powerlifting coach and she came up to me afterward and said that, you know, she has that much more respect for me as a coach. Because we would go out and celebrate and stuff after her meets. And she told me this is, you know, she had two lifters at this meeting. She was fucking exhausted mm -hmm. afterward. So she's basically, you know, kind of reiterating the fact that if you are emotionally, heavily emotionally involved in your client's progress, you're going to be exhausted afterward. You know, yeah. and not just that day. We're talking for a couple of days after and stuff like that. But I feel like that's what separates um, good coaches from great coaches is is genuinely not as a number, not as a dollar amount, but really and truly caring about the progress and the the mental headspace of your clients, you know, from a success standpoint. Because obviously, you know, they've got friends and family there or there's a live stream and all this other stuff. So you don't want to let them down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's what I feel like really separates it. Oh, let me know I'm, I'm going in the right direction at least. <laughs> yeah. I do give a fuck about my people. Huh? Yeah. I, 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 very, very much so. More than more than I do about myself, and that's probably obvious. I'm the this. <laughs> I'm the same. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's good shit for real. Uh, funny. Reflect on there. <laughs> funny enough, actually, uh, you know, I tagged Joe in that post of my favorite IG yeah. uh, pages, and he actually messaged me like, "This has been months since I've talked to him." He's like, "Hey, how's it going? Like, you doing all right?" And we talked yeah. for a little bit. It was it was really nice to see, especially like just doing online coaching, right? Because mm -hmm. I've never seen him in person. Right. And he still reached out to me just because I tagged him in something, yeah. just to see how I was doing, make sure I was okay. So that was mm -hmm. like 
was yeah, pretty cool. That's, it that's felt really good. Was for the longest, and I'm pretty sure I, I'm probably not a stretch to say that probably not once a week, but me and you probably at least talk every month since yeah since since we've we've trained together. Yeah, like I think that, and I definitely have clients where. I talk to them regularly. Right. You know what I mean? For sure. I mean, you were a good example of that. Like, you haven't been mine for a long time, and we're still... Yeah, but still, we're going to talk you know, anyway. We, 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 <laughs> kind of, we kind of do business together and stuff, too. But, like, but beyond that, you know, there's people that I haven't seen personally, and I don't know how long, but I still, you know, I still want to know how they're doing, where they're at, if mm-hmm. they're training still, how it's going, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I, I think... Because <clears throat> I could have gone... I could have gone and taught a lot of things. I could have gone and taught music and probably been really proficient at it mm-hmm. a really really good player i could have done anything in music i wanted to do and that, that lifestyle was exhausting to me can't lie to you there's something freeing about taking just taking care of somebody else yeah i mean it really i mean it really is like it's it's uh i feel like from somebody that suffers from a whole lot of mental issues me and you talk about this on the podcast all the time and uh you might not know ron it is what it is but like you know my, my point of view i mean but just it's a whole lot easier for me to dedicate myself to somebody else than it is to dedicate myself to myself. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like, I really do. I will go above and beyond for somebody else. Um, and I think that's the draw of coaching, to be honest mm. with you. And I got into powerlifting very differently than a lot of people got into it. I got into it out of necessity because I was the only person at the CrossFit gym. We had four or five people come up and say, I kind of want to do the powerlifting meet. And you look around the room and like, I'm the only guy that knows how to periodize a program. <laughs> I'm like, I guess I'm coaching up the college. And that's, that's how I got introduced to it. And then I just fucking liked it. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, I'm not good at it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, but it was just like, it's you or nobody. You got to take care of these people. And yeah. it's just like, I'll man up. I'll fucking take care of these people. It is what it is. But man, the, the whole sport in general is, uh, the whole sport's incredible. The community's incredible. Um it's taught me to let go of a lot too, to be honest with you. Not just ego, but like uh, it's how you treat people in general yeah, and stuff. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like I think it's so easy to have these like preconceived notions of well, I'll be honest with you, Lentini. I talked to him for the first time at your meet the other day. Me and him have been peers from, from of each other for for years now. Never talked to one another, and honestly, that crew kind of gets on my fucking nerves. For good at some point, <laughs> you, know, you, know I mean? you know what I mean? For some, but I talked to Lentini for the first time. And the the dude's cool as a fucking fan blade, dude. I'm I'm so like I was so mad at myself for not having introduced myself and talked to this man before. Mm-hmm. And like the whole the whole powerlifting community as a whole was just it's a fucking awesome place to be. Yeah. So I'm really really happy that all three of us get to bring new people up in in it because it's uh it really is. I don't know if you can experience it some somewhere else any better than what you do here. Like yeah, it's a very right. open and inviting community, and it's it's easy to want to take care of people in this community. Yeah, it really is. And the sport has exploded in Alabama. And having started in 2014, I feel like I've already been through three different eras of the sport um, because the sport is so much different. When I first came into it, raps was still a huge thing. Now, I mean, there's maybe two big rap meets a year. And, you know, if you got a 60 lifter meet, you may have five people in the entire meet that are in raps. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the dynamic of the sport at this point is crazy. Now you've got these these outliers coming in from other sports playing two years of college football and deciding they don't want to play football anymore. Oh, what's this powerlifting thing? I've been squatting 600 plus pounds in the weight room for the last <laughs> five years doing football. Let me go do this as, you know, as my sport. So what we've seen change in just the last few years in the next three years, it's, it's going to be five times what it is now. Mm-hmm. I have the 
utmost faith that the sport is just only going to continue to grow. I, I came in at odd because the, the meet that my ladies competed in the first time, I had, I had three girls and one guy, the first powerlifting meet I coached. And this was my, my, this first meet is my complete introduction to powerlifting. Like, I didn't know nothing other than I needed to take these ladies from point A to point B. <laughs> I didn't know what meet day looked like. Read the rule book. That's the best I can fucking do up at this point, right? I got in it when it was still kind of like, it was weird that they were doing raw. Like it yeah. was all, yeah, man. It was all single ply and multi ply most of the day. And well, and then and then in SPF they were all put together anyway. So yeah. apps and sleeves was all considered raw at yeah. the time. It was yeah. the same category. Yeah, and you know it, is, it was just it's just weird. We when you competed your first major event, the SPF nationals, um, but you and Austin both had to go out there, and it was funny. We watched y'all go out there and both outlift multiply guys basically. Yeah. But it was like it was just you know I was still, I still had a lot of people in. In suits, like when I first started coaching, and I know you've been coaching longer, but it's just that my introduction was the SPF, and that's what they do. Mm -hmm. So, like, got in it, and it's all, and like, I'm like, what, what's this fucking thing? What's single ply and multiply mean? I don't even fucking know. <laughs> like, right. you get there, it's just fucking, it's it's crazy that that's like, I don't think I've seen somebody put a multiply suit on since Knoxville yeah. 2020. Like, and it's been it's been that long since I've been around multiply now, and it seemed like it was like every fucking weekend. You know, I was going to see a single ply or multi ply competitor. Mm -hmm. uh, even the meet I hope the USAPL meet that me and uh, Christina Myers hosted here, you had half that, half that, um, half those competitors were single ply. Like, and now it's like, Did y'all really have that many single ply? Yeah. Was, was that, a lot of see, what year was that? Because that was that the, the year before of, the World Games? Because I know we had the World it was Games. Beginning here. of 2020, because we had COVID restrictions, and that was the mm -hmm. weirdest thing in a powerlifting meet. Because mm -hmm. we all had masks on, and you still had to maintain your distance, and you still had to get people warmed up, and you still had to, like, it was a pain. Yeah, but we, we hosted here at a brewery in Coleman. Okay, uh, I do remember that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And that was, uh, that was an experience. But hell, we had seriously 25 lifters that were single ply there. They all came from like two different teams in Mississippi over here, mm -hmm. right? So they were kind of ah, uh, okay. All, I know they're kind of all regional, you know now. what I mean? But yeah. like, but like, it's not been. We're not that far removed from it still being a assisted sport. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, hell, with these sleeves now, damn, it pretty much is assisted with well, some of these stiff sleeves now, man. It's, well, it's I like just, a light wrap on. I just bought some strength shop, uh, some strength shop pros, and you can't do a fucking air squat in those things. So, how have you worn any of the other ones? I have not worn. I, I chose the string shop over the Enzer because of price alone. That's understandable. Because How much were the string shop ones? Seventy five on touch. So the the pioneer ones because those are the ones I wear. They're right at seventy five. Also, I just I wasn't sure if they were on par with the because I've never worn the only ones that I've worn are the ghost sleeves and the pioneer, which are pretty much the same sleeve except I had to the ghost sleeves that I had they were a size too small. I just had to size up, but mm -hmm. I haven't worn the other ones. Boy, I went from a Norse fitness five millimeter sleeve. It's like a CrossFit sleeve, basically, to these fucking strength shop pros. And my mind is fucking blown. <laughs> That's, a big, That's a big jump. That's a big jump. That's a big, big jump. And I get it out, and I'm like, one of these sleeves weighs two pounds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, what the fuck? These things are the heaviest things I've ever fucking put on before in my life. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. It's kind of funny. But yeah, I don't know. Strength shop made those stiff sleeves yet. I've been using the wraps for a long time, and I was on. The, I needed new wrist wraps, and I was like, I was already. Uh, I have an issue with one of my lifters. Can't afford sleeves. I should have bought him the new sleeves. I was a little shitty for doing this, but I was like, I need to move up to a better sleeve. You just take my sleeves. I'll, I'll go fucking. I'll be the one that fucking buys expensive ones or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I bought me the strength shop so I could hand those down to him. And uh, my mom was fucking blown because I was like, 
the longest I've always been that coach and that attitude is like, it can't be that fucking big of a difference. Like, <laughs> we'll fucking prep it out of you. Like, it'll be, yeah. it'll be it's okay. It's definitely different. It is a big fucking difference. Yeah, I'm, my mind's blown. I can't lie to you. Like, it's... Did you get stuck in them the first time you won? Fuck yeah, I got stuck in them the first time. Had to. My wife was... I put them on before I even got in the gym. I was, like, in the bedroom. Oh, no. Like, pulled them up. No. And they pulled up easy, right? Because they're, like, they're kind of big. This big sell-up is seven millimeters. Like, they said... Strict Shop said, you're in between... We suggest sizing up. Mm-hmm. And I've never liked an overly tight knee sleeve. I know it may be a benefit. People can say what they want to. But if you're not comfortable in it, you probably don't need to fucking squat it. That's right. So I sized up, put them on. They slid up fine. Got up, did try to do a couple air squats on them. I'm like, fuck, these things are stiff. I went to take it off. And I'm like, fuck, these things are <laughs> So it ended up being me and Sandy for 20 minutes, like me on the bed, leg in the air, and her trying to wrestle a sleeve off of me. But it was pretty funny. Finally figured it out in the gym that I kind of had to roll them down and like mm-hmm. get them to flip. It's okay, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. Baby powder, baby powder. Yeah. That's, that's the truth. I never, never have, never have baby powder on me. I know it's the worst thing, <laughs> and I know <laughs> I need it. Trick. And I, <clears throat> do you know that you're the first person to get on to me for not having baby powder? Really? You don't fucking know this, but we were at TriStar, and this was my second meet to ever coach, and I had four or five ladies there. And I had a bigger girl. She was my she was my biggest bench presser. She's the one that ended up bench pressing two plates in an SBF. What meet. year was this? Because I coached at that meet before. It's um, in Gardendale, right? It's in Gardendale. Um, my dad lives at that. I just lived at that gym on Saturday. I've been down there a lot. I want to say it was like 20. I want to say it's 2017, 2018. It if, it was, if it was 18, I may have been there. I think, it was, I, think, I think it was 18. Yeah, it was 18 because it was the year me, me and Sandy got married. Um, <clears throat> but Ashley's fucking warmed up for deadlifts. Deadlift sticking on her thighs and she can't lock a deadlift out. And I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do? I've never dealt with this problem before. Just one of those things, if you don't know it, you haven't learned it, just is what it is. Like, what the fuck am I gonna do? And you just walk up and be like, hey, just have her put baby powder on her fucking thighs. <laughs> that's, 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 that's pretty well literally the only thing you said. You're like, baby powder. And I'm like, okay, baby powder. <laughs> I'm just glad you didn't do go. chalk because I see people like, well, I just thought that's, that's what everybody had on a ledge yeah. is chalk and it gets stuck right here. Yeah, yeah it sticks. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was smart enough not to try chalk because obviously we use it for grips. Yeah. You, know? mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. But uh but yeah, I remember that specifically. And then uh I'm gonna I'm gonna do some horn tooting right here and brag on you a little bit. We did you did that and you helped me there. I went to the longest meet of my life. I had five or six athletes, and one of them was a special Olympics category at Christina Myers' meet at Wetumpka. It was a USAPL meet. Keep that kilo on the Kusa meet. Yep, and it, it got moved. It used to be in the CrossFit gym. It was a year after it got moved to the small CrossFit gym. Remember, it was a real tiny place. It was like a 15 or 16-hour day. It was insane. Was, wait, in, in Wetumpka, or was it when, when it moved to Prattville? Cause it that may moved. have been in Prattville. Okay. It was in a small it was in a small CrossFit gym, man. Okay. Like, I mean, it was like, I'm talking about ceilings not much higher than it was. Like, yeah, it would have been in Prattville, yeah. Yeah, that, that place was wild. And you were there coaching, and I was like, I want to be that fucking guy. <laughs> it's like this guy, like he fucking. You, I'm pretty sure you fucking killed everybody, to be honest. And uh, I remember talking to you that day. I don't remember what we talked about, but we chatted a little bit then. And I was like, man, this guy, like, if I could, if I could be like half what this guy is, like, I can make a name for myself in Coleman. Like, I can make, I can make a career out of this. And I think that, like, that was before I decided to hire you as a coach. But that was like a defining moment of like, I felt like I was, even though I'm not that great at powerlifting myself. I felt like I was making the right decision because of like how you acted and how you like controlled yourself and your athletes that day. 
That was a big fucking deal. And then you kicked my ass at uh, <laughs> Queens of the Beach. <laughs> hey, and I was like, fuck him. To, <laughs> to, to be fair, the ladies I brought to Queen of the Beach, well, I had I had an absolute squad down there, bro. Like There, there ain't a whole lot of people on a local level yeah. that, that were beating that team, uh, aside from the girl that I think I think Liz won that meet. Liz Roboto from Florida. Yeah, she won the, I yeah, think she, she won that. Won. Nobody was beating Liz on that. Mm, but, this is good. And um, I don't know if you remember, but she turned around and won yours in March. Yeah, right. yeah, because I personally invited her to come yeah. up and do it. Yeah, yeah so. Liz beat my wife again in March. She, she's but it was Monet, and what it was is, again, this is something you go back and learn as a coach and be like, I just should know the rules better. You had put in a, a, a deadlift selection for Monet. I had put in one for, for Sandy. They were in the same weight class. Mm -hmm. And... You knew something I didn't, and that's that you could change an attempt. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember standing by the table talking to Lauren when I said it too. It's like you put in. <laughs> I really do think, and and maybe we need Monet here to to clarify because Sandy's just gonna kiss my ass and be like, "Yep, that's what happened." <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure you called up something like 30 pounds more than Monet had ever pulled before. So okay, it was like it was this, something so tremendously. This is what heavy. happened. <laughs> there, no, it, it wasn't quite that much, but there was a there was a miscommunication between. I'm pretty sure it was Lauren Lauren Brewer. She was at the scores table, and so I did go over and I I made a uh, an attempt change or whatnot. Well, my plan was I was gonna because I'm I'm pretty sure you went first and I can't remember. I think you missed or she missed. I can't remember. She may have missed. Yeah. Okay. So I was gonna repeat. yeah, and so on a third attempt, you know, you get two changes or whatnot. So I was going to bring her third attempt down because she didn't need what I initially put in, which was at the time would have been a gargantuan PR. Well, for some reason, either um, one of us had a mis misunderstanding of the interpretation of the rule, or maybe I got to her before, I'm sorry, after they said, you know, platforms ready or whatnot. So by that point it was too late for me to change it. So I'm in the back of my head, I'm like, did I really just cost this girl second place potentially? Because that that was the goal, you know, behind Liz or whatnot. Well, she comes up and she pulls just this monstrous grind. <laughs> so in the back of my head, I'm like, thank God. It was like, well, I didn't think that I had screwed that up, but apparently I was like a couple seconds too late to get over there to drop the attempt. Because um, you you have until they actually say bars loaded or platform mm -hmm. ready in USPA. Um, to change the attempt, and I think I was just a couple seconds too late. And like I said, she she clutched it up and she pulled it out. So you know, the rest is history. With that, I'll, I'll I don't know, know if I'm a psycho or what, but I was like, my immediate thought was like, "Fuck, I'm hiring this guy." <laughs> well, I, I wasn't I knew, mad. I was like, "I knew she had it in the tank," but I knew that was I knew that was her probably her absolute top end on the day. This, this she handled it. Teeth in every time. <laughs> <laughs> something I fucking don't. I'll get with it. That is fucking fun, man. I've been it's around awesome. the block for a while, man. So yeah, it, it helps. It shows, but there's a lot of. But I say all that to say this. I've told you this before in person, but there's a lot of people that pay attention to you, and it's just so important. And I know you're going to that you continue to act the way you act and do the things that you do because there are a lot of people looking at you, a whole lot, Absolutely. and that's it's important to the sport. And I want the sport to grow. Me and Nathan talk about it all the time about you know things we'd like to see from the sport and what we want to see from our clients and where we want the sport to go and stuff like that. And people are looking to people like you for, for those answers. So mm -hmm. just keep that in mind when you move forward and, for sure. you know, kissing your ass. But you know, <laughs> um, I'm not ashamed of it because I feel like I'm, I'm a big fan of giving credit where credit is due. Um, life is short. If you feel like you need to say something, I feel like it needs to be said. So, but uh, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that look up to you, man. And that's a, uh, that's a, that's a big fucking deal. And I'm, I'm here in a small town 
fucking trying to do the same things. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, honestly, given, given what I, I've gone through and stuff, and especially in terms of facility, what I have training wise, I don't have kilo plates. I've managed to buy myself good bars, stuff like that. Working with a little less, doing everything to do. I, I mean, I have a lot of reason to have quit by now. Um, personally as a power lifter and, and professionally, and, uh, you know, you've, you've kept me in it. So, uh, shout out to you, man. That's a Thank big you, fucking man. thing. I know there's Appreciate a lot of clients, um, cause I'm the worst client in the world to have, but I know there's a lot of my clients that would probably thank you personally too, because, uh, I know that there's clients of mine that are proud of what we do. And, uh, I know that they're happy that I'm still in it. And that's, you know, big, big shout out to you for that, for real. Thank so, you, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Much appreciate it. You want to wrap it up with dad jokes? Yeah. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> you got any closing sentiments? No, nah, not, really. not really. I've just been enjoying listening the whole time. I've been just like hanging out like, God, say shit. I'm just chilling. Oh, man. You got any? You know I don't. <laughs> you never do. I'm never prepared. God, it's I like wish. my fucking show too or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just a tech guy, dude. I just set the shit up. Like, I'm just here. Oh, man. Thanks for making a two-hour drive to come up here and do this dumb shit. Bro. Oh, man. It's not a problem, dude. Not a problem. All right. So. What kind of shoes do kidnappers wear? I don't know, bro. White vans. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I just about got stuck in the football news instead of instead of that. <laughs> I got a lot to. I got a game on that uh, that I have not seen a single play of. Wait, who are you a fan of? I'm an Auburn fan. <laughs> <laughs> he just walks out right now. Oh, what are they playing? Uh, is it Wisconsin? Maryland. I think they're getting their ass drugged by like the fourth string quarterback right now. Okay. Wait, Auburn's losing? Well, let's just find out. I, I gotta go too. I gotta know. Oh man. They were when I came in the podcast. Yeah, they're losing big 31 to 7. Ooh, fourth quarter. A minute 30 left in the third. Good God. Getting drugged. That's wild. Drug. That's absolutely terrible. Yeah. Y'all are banned a, from the state. Man, right now I we, feel like we, we should claim y'all. I feel like we should be. That secondary is not helping either right now at all. Yeah, I mean Georgia's doing their best to embarrass the SEC right now too. So are they losing? No, but it's zero to zero with minutes left in the first. It's kind of surprising with nobody showing up for Florida State. Is their second string quarterback playing? I think so. Third, I think. Yep. Well, that. I thought so. The the third string quarterback, well, the second what string quarterback, was hurt, supposed right? to be back from being uh, hurt by maybe, this game. Maybe supposedly. second, but. I know they had a lot of people drop out. Give us another dad joke. I'm just chilling again. Hey, man, this, this is Alabama during peak of college football season. You can't really not talk about it. Right? I mean, I don't dislike football. I like watching it. I just don't actively watch it. Like, I just like, if a game's on, like, I'll watch it. I was sitting there watching the Raiders game on, when was that? This past Sunday? When I was at. Yeah, they managed to beat, well, on Christmas Day, they managed to beat Kansas City. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It was a good Christmas gift for the Raiders fans. I'll say, if you're a Raiders fan, I wouldn't want to watch football either. <laughs> my, most of my family is Raiders fans. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I'm a Pittsburgh fan. I'm a Steelers like, fan. Yeah. God. Oh. <laughs> but at least we can bond over that. <laughs> yeah. What you got, dad joke was? Uh, might as well just give us one more so we can talk about ball. And <laughs> hijacked it. Do you know what, uh, well, a bossy man went into a bar and he orders everybody around. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You're a Cubs fan, right? Yes. 
So me and you are similar. We've got a more recent World Series than you do, but I'm a, Braves, I'm a Braves fan. Okay. But there's is there no, there's nothing more painful than being a Cubs or a Braves fan, is there? They could, no, because neither, neither <laughs> team has done anything like, this offseason. Listen, everybody everybody gives me shit for being an Auburn fan, but like when you live life as a Braves fan, there's really nothing you can say sports wise to me that bothers me anymore. <laughs> well, the, 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 the difference though is the Braves have the Braves are always good. Yeah, like not necessarily great, but you're always contending for at least a wild card. There's, there's there's times they're the best. There's a lot of times they're the best team in baseball. Until the playoffs and managed to lose, that will be the Dodgers this year. That will be. As a Cubs fan, right? Our entire season was borderline ruined by a couple errors and back-to-back games. There is no, uh, there is nothing hard. Like, there's nothing that can be said to me sports-wise that's going to bother me about my team selection. It does suck to be a Pittsburgh fan right now, just because I have such, uh, I always have such high expectations because Mike Tomlin is like. I think he's the greatest to ever do it. I love Mike Tomlin. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do feel like it's it's time for a shakeup. Did you hear about the potential trade to Washington for him? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I, I got another one for you. So, Russell Wilson obviously is no longer going to be on the Broncos. I wouldn't mind seeing them in the black and gold. Now, from a personality standpoint, I don't think he necessarily fits with what I would consider Steeler culture, but Pickett isn't ready. Rudolph isn't the answer. The answer was Josh Dobbs, and we got rid of Josh Dobbs. He was, That's what that. pisses yeah. me off. I'll be honest with you, too, and you might not be a fan of this. I think two quarterbacks they should have gone after, and they didn't. They should have gone after Cam post-Carolina for just a season or two. Mm-hmm. He would have been a base, better placeholder for Mike Tomlin um, and sitting behind Ben than anybody else, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And they should have gone after Aaron Rodgers in the offseason, knowing that those two have a yeah, good relationship. Yeah. But instead, he's a Jet and tore his Achilles in the first, you know, series. And he's supposed to be back so this week. Supposed to be. Well, I think know, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, you know, they're already. Uh, they're, there's no reason for him to play with them out of the playoff that's picture. A, oh no, aren't they still in the playoff picture? They might be, but I mean, like, like they'd have to win out and get yeah, help. They have to win out, and I think they have to have help. But like the same situation we're in, I think we have to win out, and I think we got to have like a Ravens loss or we need Cleveland like to if if Cleveland loses out and we win out. Because I think Cleveland's like 11 and 5. You know what's dumb? You know what our record is in the division, don't you? What is it? Like 4 and 1 or 5 and 1. 4 and 1 because we got one more game left. Of, but we're the worst. <laughs> Somehow we're at the bottom of the division having been. I thought, I thought since he was in the bottom. Um, yeah, they are in the bottom, like by record. But still, I mean, third or fourth, what the fuck's it matter? Yeah. At that point, you know what I mean? Well, but, I thought uh, all four teams at one point were going to get in the playoffs from the division. That's why it looked. And I hate to say that because I, I've never been heckled harder by a fan base than I have by Ravens fans. That's, that's another story we'll get into. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, I hate to say that I'm kind of rooting for the Ravens just because, like, who the else, who else is going to fucking carry the yeah, AFC a, North banner right now? I'm, I'm a fan of the Ravens. Um, Although I'm a Steelers fan, I do like what the Ravens have going on. Well, I just think Harbaugh's, Harbaugh always puts together a quarterback, and he's done it with Flacco now, and now he's done it with Lamar Jackson. And uh, Lamar's good. It's hard, to, it's hard to hate Lamar Jackson. Exactly. That's hard to hate that, it. That dude is special. He is very, very special. All right, we're going to take – we've we've commandeered enough of time. <laughs> You're good. You're good. I'm just chilling. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the show, guys. Yep. Thanks for listening. Um, Ronald Tarvin, hit him up for coaching. He's the best. And uh, rate us five stars on Instagram. No, not on Instagram. <laughs> rate us five. Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Apple, Play, <laughs> Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. All that stuff. Bye, y'all.